everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Well, I'll get right to it. Let's just get direct to the, to the message in the sentence. What is it in your life that you need to subtract? In other words, who or what in your life do you need to subtract, take away, move out? Now, that's a pretty convicting question in my life and I'm sure in your life as well because all of us can think about things we need to subtract from our lives. Now, there's some good things we should subtract. A lot of people say, I'll subtract carbs from the diet strokes from my golf game, hours spent in traffic. I mean, that's, that, that's some good stuff, but how about subtraction that's a little bit negative, you know? That stuff that really messes you up and messes me up. Maybe that toxic attitude, you know? Maybe conflict, too much of it in a friendship or a marriage, maybe negativity in just your whole vibe as far as how you relate to those in the workplace. Subtraction, subtraction. I think we should have a attraction to subtraction because God is a God of subtraction. We talk a lot about God and addition God also is a God of subtraction. Today, we're gonna look at someone, and this someone was back in the Old Testament. The Bible's broken up into two sections. We know the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is a history of, of God's people, how God reveals himself to man. Of course, the New Testament culminating with Jesus Christ and the implications of what he did for us on the cross. This story is way back. I'm talking about back, 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 back in the Old Testament. I'm talking about a guy named Gideon. Just for a second, we're going to put ourselves in his sandals because Gideon, this unlikely guy, this just normal guy, you know, Gideon dealt with subtraction. And I think we can identify with a lot of the stuff that that God subtracted from his life because I'll just go ahead and give you the, the, the cliff notes. Like Gideon was involved in the greatest, I would say the greatest underdog story ever. You might be thinking, well, man, I'm an underdog and I've overcome this or overcome that. Hey, nothing that we can do in life compares to what Gideon did, but we're gonna see God is the one that did it. Sometimes people tell me, they're like, Ed, I wanna do something for God. And I get it. I mean, that that sounds good. But in reality, we should say, you know what? I want God to do something through me. Well, here's the context of this situation. God's people, the Israelites, the Jews, they had this miraculous history. You know, they'd come out of Egyptian bondage. They were free. And then Joshua led them into the promised land. 
Now, the promised land was packed with people who weren't that good. I'm talking about people who were bad, people who were mean, people who followed all sorts of idols, Baal and Asherah. So God simply said to his people, hey, when you close that real estate deal, push them back, push them back, way back. Are you feeling me? Push them out of the promised land. Push them out. Because if you don't, if you don't push them out, they're going to come back and they're going to mess you up and they are going to open up a can on you and dominate you. So the Israelites, God's people, almost did it. They're like, God, we were almost faithful. Hey, guys, try that in marriage. Honey, I'm almost faithful. (laughs) It doesn't work. And it didn't work there either. So these people called the Midianites, and these, I mean, these these were bad cats, man. I'm not talking about like little Antifa people in skinny black jeans and masks throwing the Molotov cocktails. No, no, no. These people were like evil. I mean, they were warriors. They were fighters, torture. It was, it was awful. And they were dominating God's people. So because God's people didn't drive them out, they came back, they multiplied, and they were dominating God's people. Here, though, we have this, this cycle that I want you to think about. It's called a... That's the spin cycle. I call it the sin cycle. That's what Gideon was dealing with. What is the sin cycle? Let's see if I can draw right here. I can draw, okay, good, I can draw there. All right. First, you have subtraction. God's people subtracted God from the equation. They were like, all right, God, you did this, you did that, but you know what? I'm gonna do what I wanna do. They subtracted God and they followed the gods, small case, of the Midianites. I said earlier, Baal and Asherah, who were they? I mean, why would, why would people follow Baal and Asherah? Very easy. Their worship was all about illicit sex. They had over a thousand temple prostitutes. It was about violence. It's kind of like us today, right? Sex, violence. And it was about fertility and blessings and all that. So they, they bolted on God. They subtracted God. And then you have failure. This is the spin cycle, sin cycle. And then they're like, oh no, then you have starvation. I'll just put S-T-A-R-V. And then God would send a judge. This is the book of Judges. He sent people like Samson. You remember Samson, the he-man with the she-weakness? Thank you. Do you remember Deborah? People like that. Well, Gideon was one of those guys. So subtraction, failure, starvation, and then forgiveness. And then they just go in around and around and around. And normally the judges would come in right here and say, guys, you've got to wake up and smell the espresso. Come on now. That is a situation where we find Gideon and the Israelites. They were so scared. This is sad. They were hiding in caves and in giant wine vats that they had dug in the earth. I mean, they were totally subterranean. The Midianites were taking all of their crops, all of their livestock, 
And here's what the Bible says about this situation. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord, the Lord, right, handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Here's something about God. God allows us to face the consequences when we turn our backs on him. And what happens is when we turn our backs on God, like the Israelites, we're like, oh man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna worship the gods of the angerites. I made that up. Lustites, the greedites, the prideites. And we follow them thinking that all that stuff will fill us, but in reality, it leads to starvation. Isn't that interesting? I've done that before. Okay, God, yeah, cool, but I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do and this will fill me up. And then what happens? I'm, I'm in starvation mode. So we have this happening time and time again with God's people. So Gideon, our boy Gideon, and the amazing thing about Gideon is the fact that he was not amazing. Yeah, are you feeling me? The guy was just, I mean, he was, he was cowering in fear. He was in this wine vat doing something that he shouldn't have been doing. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm fearful, I do some weird stuff. Do you? Fear will drive us to do some weird stuff. Like we see in airports. I mean, I've, I've been in airports recently and, you know, it's kind of humorous in my opinion that, you know, everybody's freaked out about COVID. I understand COVID is real. No, no emails, no haters. I know it's real, but I believe we've overreacted a little bit. And the hypocrisy about COVID is funny. I just don't believe we should have, this is, let me say this personally. I just don't believe we should have shut down these incredible restaurants and businesses and, and, and all the things that, that, that we have just turned our backs on. You know what I'm saying? But Lisa and I were flying and, and they're like, oh, social distance. And I mean, there's the mask Nazis. If, if, if you know, in the airport, you have it just like, oh, you're, over your nose, you know, okay, okay, okay. And then we're crammed in like sardines, but they've told us to socially distance. And then you have to have your mask on and you sip some coffee, but then, you know, those flight attendants. But we do some crazy things, don't we? When we're, when we're fearful. How about Gideon? He is threshing wheat in a wine vat underground. Threshing wheat, I mean, that's not something we do today. But if you go to the Middle East, as I've been several times, threshing wheat is, is taking wheat and you're, you're like trampling it. You're, you're sometimes smashing it to separate the wheat from the chaff. Chaff is the useless outer shell of the wheat. So if I'm threshing wheat, it's something I should do outdoors. I use a winnowing fork and you, 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 you throw the grain in the, in the air and the chaff just <laughs> floats away. But the wheat, the solid stuff, <laughs> falls to the ground. That's what was happening. Well, Gideon, this is sad is doing this underground. 
You know he was popping Sudafed and Benadryl and Tylenol. His allergies were all messing him up. You know that happened. Well, he's doing that in this, in this whole vibe of being fearful and, and he's cowering. And all of a sudden, an angel of God shows up. Now, now this, is, this is unbelievable. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the mean Midianites. All right, he was hiding it because they were taking it. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, this is, this is, this is Bible humor here. You know, the Bible has a lot of humor. Mighty hero, hero, hero. The Lord is with you, you, you. That's hilarious. This guy was a coward. And God spoke to him and saying, mighty hero. Really? Well, just think about it. God sees things in your life and mine that no one else does, even your mom. Because see, your moms always see the best in us, right? God sees your amazing talent, your gifts, your abilities. God sees what can be. And God, in his equation, because God's a mathematician, God's math always works. He knows whenever you add God, when God is your equation in life, then I'm telling you, your life is gonna blow up. Conversely, if we subtract God, like his people did, we face starvation and alienation and we're, we're, we're cowering in fear. So this angel said, hey Gideon, I've got an amazing plan and purpose for your life, brother. You are going to, that's right, you are going to deliver God's people from the Midianites. Now just think with me for a second. I don't have time to get into all the nuances do you know how many Midianites and all the other termites were gathered together to take out God's people? Check this number out. 135,000. They were camped in the Valley of Jezreel, where, by the way, the final battle will take place. They were camped there, and they were so close to the Israelites, the Israelites could smell their cologne. And they were hiding. They were like, it's over. And, and here's what Gideon did when, when the angel said, hey, mighty hero, you're going to deliver God's people from the Midianites. You know what he did? He threw out excuses. I love excuses, don't you? I mean, seriously. I just, it's amazing how I can come up with excuses. Are you the same? I have something embarrassing to tell you. This is bad. Last summer, I was with a couple of guys in my SUV. We're driving down this road in Florida. Kind of a desolate road, a few houses. So we're driving, and I see this guy with this incredible hair. His hair looked like a visor. You know those big golf visors? And he's kind of doing this. And I'm with my friends. I go, guys, that's Coach Jimmy Johnson. I don't know why normally I don't do this. I said, I'm going to stop and talk to him. 
So I stopped the car. <laughs> it's terrible. And, and it's, it's kind of like, man, who is this idiot? You know, which I understand. I go, I go, Coach Johnson, you know, coach thing. I said, I'm Ed Young from Dallas. Right. You know, Jimmy licks his lips all the time. Right. He's kind of backing up. And I go, uh, hey, man, um, I'm good friends with Troy Aikman. Uh, Troy went to our church for a long time. In fact, he was part of our church when the Cowboys won all the Super Bowls. And I did his wedding. I'm trying to get him some common ground. Yeah, yeah, right. The guy totally dissed me. In fact, my friend took a picture. That, see, he's like going, he's going, who is this nut? He didn't know Troy Aikman. He's a liar, you know? So I felt bad about it. You know why I told you that story? You're like, what does that have to do with Gideon? One of Jimmy Johnson's brilliant lines. I love this as a leader. All right. You remember the guy, the big lineman or whatever, who, who had asthma? He was like, Coach, I have asthma. I can't breathe. Here's what Coach Johnson said. The asthma field is over there. I love that. I throw up excuses to God. And the excuse field is over there. You know? Oh, he threw out all these excuses. Check out what Gideon said. This is, this is so much like me. How can I rescue Israel? Oh, no. My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe. I can't do it. No. I'm the least in my entire family. My mommy put on my diapers too tight. And she had, you know, rainbows, and that doesn't do well with me. And I don't know, she wet read me these nursery rhymes I didn't like, so I'm just weak. Uh-oh, I skipped. Because I want to read this to you, and I'm going to go back. I'm going to backtrack. Okay, here's Gideon, scared to death, absolutely pitiful, God sees his potential. God goes, hey man, you're a mighty warrior. You are the man to deliver my people from the Midianites, 135,000 of them. All right, near the end, this is Gideon. He goes from cowering to a man of courage. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man this is kind of funny. A horn, a clay jar, and a torch. I'm going to do some fire. That was it. That's what he did. Those were Gideon's weapons to fight 135,000 Midianites. And you thought SEAL Team 6 was bad. No, 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 no. Gideon was bad. Okay, real quick. Gideon's threshing. He's subtracting, right? The, the chaff and the wheat, subtracting the wheat from the chaff, which is foreshadowing his life of subtraction. Then quickly, he goes to, to his parents' home and he takes out his father's idols, Baal, and Asherah. 
Then he goes through some other gymnastics. And then God says, all right, Gideon, send out a mass email and bring up every fighting man possible to take out the Amalekites, which is a pretty major leadership move. I mean, here's Gideon getting together 32,000 guys. I mean, that's serious, isn't it? I love how God gave him a vision. Isn't that great? If you're in the business world, make sure you know your vision. Say it, spray it, wheel it, deal it. Make people that work with you feel it. Because the Bible says where there is no vision, the people will perish. And great leaders don't just look at those who are around them. You look at the other concentric circles and make sure they understand the vision. And that's what Gideon, and that's what God was like, was like throwing out. So 32,000 people show up and Gideon's like, all right, all right, okay. I mean, 32,000, let me see, 135,000. Now we got uh, 32,000. So, I mean, that's that's not a great ratio. Well, you know, I've I've got God on my side, Gideon was saying, plus 32,000. God goes, whoa, I'm not through. There's some more subtraction I want you to do, Gideon. Tell the guys, if anybody's scared, they can leave. What, God? Yeah, if they're fearful, they can go home to their wives and girlfriends. So Gideon's like, excuse me. If anyone is scared, I know you won't do it. You'll go home. Guess how many bolted? 22,000 left the 32 thousand, leaving the G-man 10 grand. That's it. Here's another principle. Whenever you do what God wants you to do, you're going to have fallout. You will have people to leave. When you take a hill, certain people will leave. I think back to the embryonic days of Fellowship Church, you know, Fellowship Church, we, we started it with about 30 families. It's sort of like, in a way, starting a business. After the first year and a half, 90% of the people left. Gone. History. Bye-bye. Wow. What? It got so low, I'm like, what am I doing? But looking back, now I know it's God that built our church. So sometimes God will subtract so much chaff, we look back and go, oh man, that's, that's, I'm glad God subtracted that chaff. I really am, because now I know it's God. Well, God is going to do some supernatural subtraction. He's taking some more chaff out. God says, go down to the river and tell your boys, Gideon, to take a drink, a drink of water. You remember that song, this is gonna date me, by the talking heads? Take me to the river, Mm -mm -mm. drop me in the water. I was listening to that yesterday as I was flying back, crammed into a plane with a bunch of people. I was rocking, you know? 
I like to watch people drink water. They drink water in weird ways. Have you ever done that? My mother used to drink water. God bless her. She's in heaven now. She would, she would do her mouth like this when she would drink. One day I took a picture. I go, Mom, what, what's this face you're doing? Lisa, my lovely wife, she has a tiny mouth the size of a little rainbow trout. And when she drinks water, I'm serious. She gets her mouth ready when she just grabs the glass. She's like. I go, Lisa. I mean, I, I don't want to be too picky, but why don't you lift the glass and right before you drink, do that. One of our twins, I want to embarrass her, Landra. When she drinks water, he's like. I go, Landra, stop. Stop. And this is terrible on my part. Don't put as much liquid in your mouth. Maybe you won't make those sounds like a horse, you know? some good homework. <laughs> Guys, watch how your wife drinks water. No, I'm just kidding. So here's what God says. Now, this, this is strange. Hey, Gideon, watch how these troops drink water. He's probably like, what? So 300 of the guys knelt down, cupped the water, lapped it like a dog, and looked around at the horizon line. There were people of vision, right? They were checking everything out. Okay, I got it, I got it. 9,700 of them put their face in the water. I mean, they were like taking baths. They didn't care about the person on the right or left. They were just tearing up some water. God says, Gideon, I'm gonna do some more subtraction. You know those 300 dog lappers? They're my boys. They're my warriors. Tell the other guys to go on home. Gideon. <laughs> He's probably going, God, 300? Come on, God. God said to Gideon, hey, Gideon, 300 plus one. Me. Because when you add me and give your life to me, every nerve, every sinew, you always have the advantage. You don't get it, Gideon, but you do. But Gideon was still fearful. He was still, oh no, 300 people. It's what God did. God said, sneak down to the enemy camp, 135,000, and listen. So, so Gideon snuck down to the enemy camp. What song is that? Thank you. And the enemies, the Midianites started going, man, I'm afraid Gideon's gonna come and open up a can on us. And he gave Gideon confidence. Here's the principle. When you're doing what God wants you to do, sometimes your enemies will encourage you and bless you. 
Well then, Gideon had that confidence, and Gideon said, guys, trade in your bows and arrows. Trade in your swords and shields for, <laughs> this is hilarious, a horn, a jar, and a torch. That was their weapons. Again, and you thought SEAL Team 6 was bad. No, not compared to these guys. So they attacked and they won the battle. 300 took out 135,000 because of the addition of subtraction. The addition of subtraction, separating the wheat from the chaff, the wheat, that solid stuff, you know, from the chaff, that useless stuff that just flies away. Now, let's go over to the New Testament as we close down. The Bible says these words in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verse 17. He, being Jesus, is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. A winnowing fork, you would stick, it's like a pitchfork. You stick the fork in the grain, throw it in the air, the winds would blow, the chaff would blow away, and the wheat would fall to the ground, picking up the wheat. It's about subtraction. Then he will clean up, this is what Jesus is going to do, the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, Heaven, burning, hate to say it, but hell, the chaff with never-ending fire. I've got to ask you, again, straight up, are you wheat or chaff? Wheat you have a personal relationship with Christ? You've made that decision to follow him? You're wheat. You're saved by grace through faith or you're chaff. Chaff. Oh man, I was born a Christian. That's impossible. That's like me saying, I was born married. No. It's a decision followed by a process. Oh, I'm a, I'm a good guy or a good girl. You know, I, I, I believe, well, the Bible says the devil believes. Chaff. In fact, Jesus said, and this is a scary verse, that during the judgment, many, Jesus said, will say to me, Lord, Lord, I did this, I did that. And he'll say, you're chaff. So make sure, I beg you, although I can't do it for you, that you have prayed the prayer 
That prayer, that wheat prayer, that prayer to ask the Lord Jesus to infiltrate your life, that prayer where you give every nerve and every sinew of your existence, of your soul to him, that you receive his subtractive work on the cross. Because think about it, God subtracted Jesus from heaven. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our iniquities and sins. He subtracted sin. He was buried for three days. Then he subtracted the sting of death and rose again. And he offers you this deal that is unbelievable. The addition of subtraction. Would you pray with me for a moment? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to talk to two groups as we pray. Group A would be those here who know you personally. There's been a point in time that we have asked you to come into our lives. Maybe just maybe those of us who are believers, we've not been as vigilant or we've not allowed you to perform that supernatural subtraction that you desire for our lives. We don't realize who we are. We don't realize the potential. And I pray that you reveal that to us each and every day. Now the next group, group B, would be those here. I would call you the chaff people. And if you are that, if, you say, if you're saying to yourself, you know, I, I believe in God and I, I, I grew up going here or there. Well, that's great, but there has to be a point in time where you make a decision to establish this personal relationship with Christ, just like someone makes a decision to become married. And I want you to pray this prayer with me right where you're seated. Just repeat it silently to yourself. Just say, God, I admit to you that I am a sinner and I confess my sins to you and I turn from my sins and I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. I believe in this supernatural subtraction in your equation that you made happen on the cross and by rising again. And right now, I give the totality of my life to you. Here's the deal. I don't care who you are, where you are, how far away from God you feel like you are, what you did last night or this morning. Christ will come into your life if you just have the faith Jesus said of a mustard seed. So Father, we thank you for these prayers. We thank you for these decisions. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. And thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. 
We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.